You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Good morning, Perth. Welcome to 107.9 Radio Fremantle's The World Football Program. My name is Hugh Best and joining me in the studio is the wonderful Penny Tannerhoth. Good morning, Penny. How are you today? Morning, Hugh, and everyone else there. I hope you're having a wonderful start to the Anzac weekend, a weekend of remembrance, Monday being the public holiday for Anzac Day. That's right, and thank you very much to the Celtic Ramblings boys for giving us that last post because... We don't have time for it. We've got a jam-packed show as per usual and we are here thanks to our partners Futsal WA, the biggest and best futsal competition in Perth. Contact Greg Farrell, yeah, unless he's busy with Subiaco. You might, you might get a busy, <laughs> busy message on the phone there. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron for all your custom-built ornamental and security fencing, front and side gates and electronic gate setup, and gate and fence <laughs> hardware WA for all related hardware and automaton Packages. Don't giggle, Penny. English is my first language. You wouldn't guess it by um, re- I'm actually reading that. That's not from memory. He, oh, he's a shocker. Absolute shocker. Joining us on the show this morning, we will have, as I say, jam-packed. We have coming up very, very, very shortly, Molly Appleton, all the way from the Apple Isle. Molly will be talking to us about all things in the women's side of things, including the um, women's FA Cup from England and the women's European Champions League. After that, we'll have Tommy Dolman to talk all things local football. Liz Ray, who's going to give us some insights on the Hall of Fame Museum and how that's progressing. And Penny's got a bit of a, an insight into that one. So, Do I? Do you? Maybe. <laughs> and we'll finish with Mark Twalmy, the president of Forestfield United, to find out the exciting new developments that are happening there at Forestfield. Penny, do you have anything in particular you wish to... 
lead us in with while I uh, load up a few uh, sponsorship announcements and then get Molly on the phone? Sure, you do that. I'll just <laughs> say a big thank you to everyone for listening in today. Uh, and every week, remember our podcast is on theworldfootballprogram.com.au and you can also listen live to the link that's on there. That's double M E. That's the Australian English way to spell it. Yes, it is. <laughs> now, news of the week, I, I guess, uh, popping up is the Australian Masters Games is underway at the moment, although there has been some parts of the Games that have been cancelled due to lack of registrations or withdrawals. The, yeah. the men's football is underway. I think there was only five or six teams that ended up being in it. That's at UWA Sports yeah, Park been at been postponed a couple of times. And, sure um, had. In fact, some, a year ago today yeah, is when I registered, yeah. and uh, this was the third time it had been postponed and... Yeah, yeah, for the women's football and, club and that's anyway. obviously affected uh, the the confidence in travelling. Um, yeah, and that's why that situation has occurred. Disappointing, uh, you know, because it's not often that Perth gets to host these sorts of major tournaments. But no, um, uh, other news is that um, walking football is underway at uh, Curtin University Tuesday night. Brilliant. Get onto the walking football Facebook page and find out more about that. Mm-hmm. Andy Keogh is retiring at the we end. We heard that. Yep, uh, of this season. Was I it 59 goals in 160 games? He's done pretty that's, well. That's not bad. Yeah. You know, he's much maligned by one of the people in this studio. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, a striker that can get, you know, on average a goal every three games, that's not bad. Yep. You buy that every day. Yep. Australia Cup games are underway. That's the old FA Cup uh, sorry, F F F F F Oh my F, God. F, F, yeah, so uh, go to and find out where all those fixtures are. Um, and Danny Hodgson is yep. um, just making more progress. Yeah, I was going to make that. There, there, there was a, um, a, a very, you know, um, heartwarming feature just recently, which has Danny back playing yep. uh, in the backyard. But, you know, that's where we all started, backyard football. Absolutely. That's the first step on your progression to become a superstar. Yep. So best of luck to, to Danny. Uh, we noticed that his parents um, have t- now gone back to, uh, to to England. So hashtag DH7, you know, he, he still needs our help and he's still in our, in our thought processes. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and a few other things too, the impending Women's World Cup, and we'll speak more to Molly about that, mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of money being splashed around to upgrade facilities, especially under the Equaliser program through Football Australia to try and get that 50% um, female yeah. change room thing happening there and the new uh, transfer fee changes. And I guess we might have a chat to maybe Tommy Dolman Tom, about Tom will that. be the man to talk about that one. Yep, I've got a, a bit there to, to have a chat about the... Um, the Riley McGree transfer, he's now transferred from Charlotte, where I don't think he played a game, to Middlesbrough, and Adelaide United got $1.1 million. Um, but with the transfer system in place, or not in place, depending which way you want to talk about it here in Australia, they did a ranking of... FIFA did a ranking. There's a surprise. They're going to justify their money somehow of, the, the, <laughs> the, of transfer fees per uh, member nation... Australia ranked below Cyprus. Mm-hmm. That says a lot about the development or the transfer system. And I think it might be a bit from column A and a bit from column B as to why we would rank below Cyprus in transfer revenue raised last year. That's that's an appalling indictment on the on the situation yep. that we have at the moment. It's going to be fixed, and we'll talk to Tommy about that. Yep. We'll uh, we'll get Molly on the line very very shortly. And like I say, thank you very much for joining us on the World Football Programme. You're with Hugh and Penn, and I will see if that will play. Yes, it will. I'll do that. Uh, Stick with us. We'll be back shortly. 107.9 FM, your local station. 
Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au Station sponsor. Listening to Community Radio, powered by passionate football volunteers just like myself. You can appreciate the entertainment by becoming a station member. Hi, I'm Phil Kelly, Chair of the Football West Men's State League Standing Committee. Listen in next for Western Australian local football news. Station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. And welcome back to Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM, the World Football Program. Joining us on the line right now is Molly Appleton, all the way from Tasmania. Good morning, Molly. Good morning, guys. How's it going? Oh, I've got a big smile on my face now to be able to hear your wonderful voice. That means I've pressed the buttons in the right order. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Molly. Actually, it's probably afternoon where you are, isn't it? Oh, I just picked over to the afternoon. Yeah, there, there you so go. Lunchtime-ish. Lunchtime, that's it. We've got some good chips and gravy here at Valley Road, so I'll be getting into that very soon. <laughs> we like to hear what all the local clubs are offering up to the uh, members when they arrive to the football <laughs> games. <laughs> oh, definitely. Look, if you get to Valley Road, you can't beat the chips and gravy. You've, you've got to do it. Is yeah. it curry curry gravy? I love the ch- chips with curry gravy. That's uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I might have to ask if I can do something special with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the normal gravy. It's a good gravy, though. Well, that's that's all we need to hear, Molly. Um, oh. That's what we that's what background we want to hear. The background noise. Nice. What happened? Was that a goal? No, unfortunately, it was just a couple kids walking past me. But hopefully, there will be. A <laughs> <laughs> Molly, we um, noticed recently the uh, the women's FA Cup uh, re- semi final results. We had more than a yeah. few of the uh, Matildas in there. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a couple of good results there. Would you we like did. to have a chat about those results, please? Um, well, the Chelsea um, Arsenal being the London Derby was. was yeah, that Chelsea game was definitely something I enjoyed watching. Um, and, I mean, Chelsea just showed that they can have, you know, Penel Harder and a few of their good players on the bench mm-hmm. and still come out and win. And, of course, you know, Sam Kerr was, was part of that team. Um, and, yeah, it was a great game by Chelsea. I think they just showed they're a different level to, to Arsenal. And Arsenal really struggled. Even though I think Catley played really well, especially the first 30 yep. minutes. Yep. Um, he was, yeah, definitely um, probably one of Arsenal's better players. And you had Ford linking up a bit with it, which is always yeah. great to see. With, with, um, sorry, Molly, with, with that in, in mind, uh, how, do you, how do you feel about uh, Lydia Williams' lack of match time at the Arsenal setup? I mean, we know Zinberg is a, is a world class keeper, but 
we in Australia know that Lydia Williams is a world-class keeper as well. And so, we'd like to see you yeah. getting some match time. Yeah, we'd like to see you getting some match time. Well said. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can you see that situation changing anytime soon? Um, I don't know. My trouble is I've always thought it was a weird one, Lydia, going over to yeah. Arsenal to start with. Mm-hmm. I think it was always a matter of do you think that their training is of a higher quality mm-hmm. than, you know, game time here in Australia? And I think that decision was made and it was a yes. And I mean, she's been given starts for us, obviously, the last few times around. So obviously something. So I think she's, I think she's been a lot stronger since this side of the Olympics. Um, in a Matilda's shirt, but it's odd that she's not even really getting cup games for Arsenal. I would have thought she would have started well, yeah. in the FA Cup or something like that, and I found that a bit odd. Um, mm. Very similar to know. Mark Schwarzer when he mm-hmm. when he, he ended up at Chelsea, I he think, did. didn't yeah, he? Yeah, but Schwartz, Schwartz went to Chelsea for, for the pay packet, knowing he was going to be the third choice and, and was improving his uh, his coaching skills. So correct, um, yeah. So he, he he knew what he was going to. Other things other than first yeah. team goalkeeper, and like you said, Molly, with Lydia going to uh, Arsenal, then she's getting quality coaching. Yeah. And look, the, the match thing though is so damn important. How is she going to get match time? Where is she going to get that match time from, Molly? That is going to help her when she plays in between the sticks for Australia? Where is she going to get that match time? Well, that's my question as well. And that's why, you know, if you're basing it on those match times, you'll take Mackenzie Arnold over Lydia Williams with what she's been doing at West Ham. Like, um, it's just, yeah, I'm not quite sure where Liz is going to get that match time. And if I was Lydia, she's been there, what, is this the second season yep. at Arsenal this year? Yep. I'll be looking at maybe going to one of those other clubs Perhaps, um, or even back to the... I don't can't remember. Yeah, she was in the US for a little while. Even maybe back to the US with a few of them heading back to the US. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's a tough ask for her to be our World Cup starting in 18 months and not starting at club level. I think that's... Uh, I, don't, I, don't even, I, just, I don't like the precedence off it really either. Um I think that, yeah, we need a goalkeeper who is getting consistent game time at club level. And, I mean, we've said we're not going to have some of the players coming to the Matildas that have had really good W League seasons or A League women's mm. seasons because they're not getting that year-round or the long extended season. Um, yeah. So I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword to be bringing someone yeah. in who's not actually getting game time. Yep, well, that's a, that's a great segue, yeah. Molly. So we, we know Mackenzie Arnold in the other semi-final, Manchester City 4, West Ham United 1. Mackenzie is now locked in as the number one. She's got the number one shirt on, the, yeah. on her back and she is the number one keeper at West Ham. Is there that uh, that possibility that Lydia might find herself maybe the third choice keeper in that Australian uh, squad with Mackenzie Arnold taking the number one shirt? Well, that's what you've got to wonder. And I think the trouble with Mackenzie Arnold that she's always struggled to transition her form to, um, yeah. to the Matildas. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of other people, like, you know, Lydia's probably the opposite, where she yeah, be right, fumbling yeah. at club level, but she knows how to play for the Matildas. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think the last Asian Cup, um, it showed against Thailand, that cruelling game, where even though Mackenzie Arnold, you know, was that hero for the penalty, um, it wasn't so great. Uh, during the match and mm. I think there was a game before that where she wasn't as strong either so I think that's the trouble and that's almost the trouble with internationals isn't it there's some players that fit really well in that setup and form and step up and there's others that just 
Giants, no matter how how well they're doing week to week. Yeah, Molly, my, my question for you is: We've just seen the Matildas compete in a, a two match series against New Zealand, where mm-hmm. the first game was, I'd say, yeah. pretty dubious. Yeah. Just uh, d- just near, and then the, the second game they started to fly and perform like the Matildas. Do you yep. think that that performance was our best players that we had available? Uh, and do you think that that is World Cup? match material, like World Cup winning material, or do you think that we've got a whole underpinning pool of players that we should be exposing somewhere or in the junior camp that's underway at the moment, actually? We've got uh, 30 players uh, in camp uh, in the junior age group, 2005 and six kids, um, that should be pushing for those positions and we should be seeing them play. Um, I think that's a good one. I think at the moment... um I think it was really good to have our best starting 11 start for two games. You know, we've not had that for a while. It's sort of been under pressure to try and find that starting 11 and um, preparing and managing players for um, for the next tournament. Whilst this time it wasn't, it was just a friendly, we're 18 months out. Um, you know, we've got a little bit of time and you could argue that in that case we should be playing some youngsters, but I think it was just a good opportunity just to show what we've got. Yeah, the crowd um, really wanted to see the, our, our first best 11, didn't, yeah. didn't yeah. I mean, they're paying tickets to yeah, see but them. I, but I didn't. I, I really thought that uh, playing uh, Sam Kerr for the, you know, to basically the 180 minutes was, I thought, uh-huh. ridiculous. I mean, as we saw when she played in that FA Cup semi-final, Chelsea subbed her off. They went, like, we've got this game sorted. Yeah. Sam, have a seat, yeah. take a rest. Yeah. I think maybe Gustafsson's a little bit gun-shy about making those sorts of big calls to say... You know, Sam, give us 45 minutes to, to start the game and then sit down and have a rest. Yep. Yeah, I think there, there might be a bit of that. Um, I think that, you know, we did make a lot of changes, particularly the second game. I think the yep, first game enough. was yep. always going to play. Um, but, you know, we made a lot of changes, so there's an argument, you know, keep Sam on, see who can play with Sam. I don't think we've got the, we've figured out the right combination to play with Sam at I agree. that level. Mm. So I think while... I get it for player loading. And remember Chelsea had has the strong like yeah, a, a bench that, you know, yeah. would start anywhere else even if they did put their strongest eleven, their second eleven would beat most sides. Yep. Yep. Um so I think there's there's a little bit of difference, but um I didn't mind her staying on so far as it gave okay. us an opportunity to see, you know, how it works with um you had a different midfield, you had uh, Charlie Grant come on the right side, you had um, a few other players pop up front, which I think was good to see sort of who does work with care a bit better than what perhaps um, has been the starting 11 mm. with, you know, your Ford and your um, Tyre Simon and stuff. Yeah, maybe we're a bit biased over here in the West, but we, we did see that uh, that world-class uh, pairing of Sam Kerr and Caitlin Ford playing for the Perth Glory. We, we, we were spoiled there. Yeah, we had um, Mackenzie And Mackenzie in, and, in goal. Yeah. I think we had four Matildas in yeah, our squad that's right. that year. Yeah. yeah, it was great. But that's just... Yeah, as a Sydney FC supporter, I definitely do know that having um, those two together in class time can work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. We inflicted so, some damage that year. So, so, Molly, in regards to the Matildas, what's the plans over the next? Well, oh, leading to the question. World Cup, tell us what what us as the community can expect to see from the Matildas, and what should we be seeing from them? Um, I think this competitive, like, like competitive games, 
the most important thing. And you know that European opposition where they will force us to think a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we might have a couple more blowouts like, like we did when we first had Gustafsson in. I don't think it will be that that big of a blowout, but I think there will be some tough, you know, two, three nil losses. Um, and I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, I think... Yeah, I'm really hoping, ideally, that we do get a few more Asian teams than maybe what we have done. Obviously, the Asian Cup sort of exposed us to um, mm. that different style of play that the Europeans don't yep. particularly play. Um, and it's, you know, how to shut down a team that has a, a G in it um, who's just phenomenal, like, um, and just adapting to those different styles. So it'd be nice to see that. Yep. Um, well, we did see that with the uh, the Asian Cup just recently where we knew if the Matildas did what, what they were going to do, it was either going to be Japan or South Korea, and we got we got South Korea, and, yeah. and they, they did a number on us, unfortunately. Do you, do you feel that maybe some of these more um, credentialed Asian uh, nations are a bit gun-shy of playing the Matildas because... That they they don't see it as a um, well as a as a morale boosting game because if the Matildas beat say Japan or South Korea in a friendly they go oh hang on that's not good enough for us whereas they're more likely to to be up for the competitive game so in that uh, that Asian Cup game I mean South Korea played out of their skin I thought it was like wh- where did yeah. this come from for sure for sure um, I think a little bit um, I think I think also um, with that gun time, it's almost Asia, you know, we've seen South Korea really well during tournaments, the same with Japan, and maybe not translate that into friendlies against Australia. Mm. Um, so I think that's also part of it as well, where they do seem really peak during tournaments that we haven't really found. Well, we have. We did the Olympics, didn't we? But well, that's um, not, not quite the same um, with what we expect from them. Um, out of friendly. Yeah. And there was another girl who was Hey! <laughs> <laughs> who are you going for, Molly? <laughs> oh, it has to be the home team. It has to be Devonport. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> I thought you were going to put your journalist hat on and go, no, no, completely neutral here. Well done. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We're from the Northwest. We won't go for a Hobart. <laughs> <laughs> the game before that, I would have shown a bit more unbiased. <laughs> Hey, hey, Molly, the um, Women's Champions League. Oh, here is, we go. Uh, I just, uh, I'm very excited by this because I have a, a young player that I coached uh, about five years ago who's now playing in Barcelona in the um, teenage leagues there. And her mum is amazing. Her mum has just allowed her pathway to end up in Spain. And, of course, they sent me a photo of the um, Camp New Camp now. Um, mm-hmm. How do you pronounce it? Come on, tell me. Camp Camp New. New. Okay, Camp New. Thank you. And it was filled with ninety thousand people for the the Wolfsburg Barcelona game. So yeah. that was oh, Barcelona. Is that the one you were talking? I thought you were talking about the uh, the the Super Classico. Okay. No. no. Well, okay. we've done it twice now. It's yeah. Okay. We've done it. Yeah. Yep. So ninety thousand. This is women's football filling the stadium. Ninety thousand. Pretty Quite, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Pretty amazing. And, bra- and that's got to be breaking records, surely. What's your thoughts on the, the Champions League? Oh, by the way, if you, can, if you know of any ways to be watching it free to air, please just plug it right now, okay? Yeah, um, YouTube on 
standard. That's the one. That's the one. Or the Z and might be changed, but yeah. Yep. It's definitely, it's all free on YouTube, which I actually watched the game this morning at a better hour than three o'clock. <laughs> that D D A Z N UEFA Women's that's Champions League, yeah. Dangerous. So if you want to watch the games, that's uh, pretty amazing. Whoever set that up, but well done mm. because there's some quality football being played. Oh, it's been unreal, and they've extended it this season with the group stage, and the group stage games were great as well. So you got to see some of the other European fans that perhaps you don't get to see, um, and that was that was fantastic. Um, to watch, and then obviously like Barcelona's written the headlines, and rightly so. In these knockout phrases, it's just packing those with those stadiums, and they put on clinics as well when they have. Like this morning, it was they just made it look easy to get through Wolfsburg, and it's not that easy to get through Wolfsburg. Oh no! And the other game coming up this weekend is Leon and Paris. Paris is it? Is it uh, tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow. Uh, no, 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 Leon, no, Paris, uh, Paris Saint-Germain are playing Wolfsburg, aren't they? Uh, no, has that game already no, been played then? Wolfsburg, so this, today it was Wolfsburg-Barcelona, yep. and I'm pretty sure it's PSG-Leon, but I'll double-check it. Oh. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Okay. What fixtures you're looking at? Yeah, know? no. Oh, yeah, my, uh, yeah. yeah, there's still just a couple of games left before we get to the grand final. But um, tell us some of the Australian players that are playing in those teams, Molly, so that we can give them a shout. Ellie Carpenter of uh, PSG. You're not Molly. Yeah. You're not oh, Molly. T- sorry. <laughs> hey, Molly, what about uh, uh, Ellie Carpenter of PSG? <laughs> Ellie Carpenter, yeah. I mean, she's the main one there, isn't she? I don't think we've got anyone else in the other, in the other club. Um, which I don't, I don't think there's any Aussies playing at Barcelona, but there might be soon if uh, young Taylor O'Connor gets up there. Mm-hmm. Mm, no, I would love to see an Aussie play for Barcelona. It would be unreal. Um, or even Real Madrid, even though they're out. I think they're also an up-and-coming there. Yeah, um, who's the um, midfielder that we've got playing for the Matildas that doesn't get enough game time with pretty awesome skills? Hallie Razzo. No. No, no, she played in the Sp- one of the Spanish teams in the Spanish oh, league. Shidiac. Oh, Shidiac. Yeah, that's Shidiac. it. Oh. Correct. Yeah. yeah, and she had an unreal season at uh, Melbourne Victory. And she was actually, she was one of the players that came on in Canberra for, for 20, 30 minutes. And I thought she did really well. I've got thoughts about Shidiac's inclusion overall. Um, but I thought she did really well and brought something different to, different to the side. Do you think she's a similar player to Katrina Gorey? I think so, yeah. And I think also um, Katrina Goh is probably more flexible um, with where to put her on the pitch. Um, she's just got that bit more experience of playing forward or playing holding as we saw. Or, you know, obviously number 10 uh, or number 8, their best spot. But I don't think Shidiak's got quite that adaptability on the field. Yep. Um, and I think it's going to take a little bit longer for her to go, I'm in the starting 11. I think if you're not in that starting 11, then you have to, um, you know, have a couple of positions you can fill almost. I don't know, that's not not I'm... everyone's coaches, but I think the staff really likes that versatility off players. Absolutely, and Katrina Gorey, I think it's an absolute heaven send that she's come back to play after mm, becoming a mum. She's just jumped right back into it. She's... Very much like um, Messi, I think, in the in the way that she plays, her vision and her passing, running off the ball. It's fantastic. I love watching her play. Like she can hit the ball dead on where she wants it every time and she'll control it so well and just get 
I can't say Kylie, I'm sorry. Yep. Yep. So what else have we got to talk about in women's football? We've talked about the uh, the cup coming up in England. We've talked about the Champions League. Uh, the junior Matildas are in camp. And we've got a couple of yes. West Aussies. We've got to mention them, I've Georgia heard Cassidy. very exciting camp. Um, I know I bumped into uh, Ray Dower when I was in Canberra, um, and she was so excited about the guys that are in there. So she's got some West Aussies in there. It sounds like... Yep, Cassidy yes, and Board. Very well. Yep. Yep, and I've got to give Zara Zara Board, who's the goalkeeper, our goalkeeper from West Australia. <laughs> Any way you come through West Australia, yeah, you become ours, our right? Goalkeeper, and, as and is Mackenzie my, Arnold. <laughs> and my, yeah, that's right. She's now an indoctrinated West Aussie. But um, Zara Board uh, played at Mum FC. That's my club here in Perth. So um, we're going to claim her in all ways, a West Australian and a Mum FC player. Although she's now the Subiaco goalkeeper, but I hope she does well. Yes, mm. definitely. I hope, I hope all those best Italians do well. I love seeing you guys do well, particularly at, at the youth levels. We've had some great players come through. Yep. yep. Well, we've we got to let you go, Molly. We've got a jam-packed show. Can you give us a uh, final score check there, please, Devonport, winning by six goals yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, it's South Hobart winning by one. Oh, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> but we've still got an hour. Hold the phone up. I can get the, uh, the, the, the air horn going. Yeah, get a bit of atmosphere happening. <laughs> It sounds like there's plenty of atmosphere down there already. <laughs> there is. a crowd building already. <laughs> Good one. Thank you, Molly. We really do appreciate your time and your input into the show here at uh, the World Football Program, and we look forward to speaking with you again very, very soon. Enjoy you have your a, weekend. No you have a great day. Thanks, you too. Bye. Thanks, Molly. Bye. Bye-bye. That was Molly Appleton from the Apple Isle. From the Apple Isle. Molly Appleton. Yeah, there is a joke there. No, that's great. So, um, yeah, always nice having a chat with Molly. Uh, the Women's FA Cup Final, so the Women's FA Cup Final from England, because we need to make that distinction nowadays because the Women's FA Cup Final could yeah. be in Australia. Yeah. But, no, it's, uh, that's going to be at Wembley. A sellout so, stadium could be men's or women's football. We did. We said that off air. That yeah. we we're trying to get it, you know, Barcelona more than a club, you know, but Barcelona have got two different yeah. shirts, one for women, one for men. So more than two clubs. Mm. Masun Club. Masun Dus Club. Anyway, mm. uh, that, that will be on the 15th of May and um, we'll be able to watch that on uh, DZ, DAZN UK. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Or you could go to, I mean, BBC World Service might have it, you know, those, yeah, but anyway, that's good news. We've got uh, Tommy Dolman coming up next. Uh, you're with Penn and Hugh on the World Football Program here at Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Please stay with us. Plenty more to come. And... Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. When I look back on my career, I don't want to be asking myself, what if? The time has come to show them our passion, our grit. Show them the meaning of high-energy football. Show them our great Aussie spirit, that we give it our all and never say die. The AFC Women's Asian Cup is here. Time to show them who we are. They say you can't choose your family, but you can choose your football family. A family has legends you look up to. 
and the up-and-comers. A family pitches in and works together as a team. We have the ones who keep us in check hey. and we motivate each other to be the best. Be the best! But it's my brothers and my sisters who always have my back. That's why even my real family love my football family. So what are you waiting for? Join our team. Come on! 107.9 FM, your local station. Yes, it is indeed your local station. You're with Penn and Hugh on the World Football Programme. Joining us on the line right now is the media legend that is Tommy Dolman. Good morning, Tom. How are you today? Good, thanks, guys. How are we? <laughs> do you like that intro or do you want me to, uh, you know, beef it up a bit um, more? I'm, bl- I'm blushing a little bit. Here, so <laughs> <I'm> a little... <laughs> yeah, I've got a question for you, Tommy. You know how... Perth Glory is propping up the A-League table at the moment. Strongest team in the league. Yeah, I reckon. Um, but they're having to draw from deep within their yes, local are. pathways. How's that affecting Perth Glory? Like, what's what's the news on the ground with Perth Glory locally here? They're sitting mid-table on the NPL, but how are they travelling with players? Well, it's not affecting them too badly. Uh, because, as you say, Penny, they've actually acquitted themselves pretty well um, during the season. Um, they were beaten um, by a very good Floriot team in, in one of those matches, but they've had they've had pretty they've had a couple of wins and they've and they've also picked up a point against Armadale as well. So um, they're certainly um, they they've got a lot of depth in terms of what they've got um, resource wise um, in their in their academies, obviously at MPL level. Um, I've I've commentated on a couple of under twenties um, top four finals and, and cup finals that have sort of involved them over the journey as well. So, um, yeah, they've, they've got some very good impressive players in those teams. And they're clearly just making that progression and stepping up. And, and with um, with um, a lot of the usual NPL um, men's players going and playing for the glory, opportunity sort of presents itself for a couple of these younger guys to get some senior NPL football. And they're certainly not looking out of place early on. It's a bit of a wrap for uh, a system, isn't it? Um, and... and I suppose when you're tested like this and you can feel all your teams that you need to in one way or another, that's the, the test that you've done the right thing. Yeah, I mean, there's, I don't think there's a, any doubt as to um, the, the, the calibre of the cl- uh, player that, that Gloria attracts. They obviously managed to get a lot of the best youngsters mm. um, around, the, around the state to come and, and join the academies, often even at, at like MPL sort of under 13 level and, and even that sort of age bracket. So... Yeah, it's, um, they've obviously done a, a pretty good job over the years. They made a top four cup final at MPL level in 2018 as well. So this isn't something that's sort of just emerged in the last couple of seasons. They've had um, they've had a pretty good... Um, they, they were a little bit sort of... They weren't the most consistent team. They struggled often towards the bottom of the MPL when they first mm-hmm. came into the competition. But um, certainly in the last three or four years, they've been much improved and you're starting to see these players complete really well in this division now. Tommy, what's your 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 personal observations of the last couple of years that you've been commentating across the men's NPL, the the growth and and their pathways that each of the clubs have put Ooh. in place and strengthened? What, Jeez, what's your observations? That's a big question. Yeah, it's quite it's quite a well rounded question yeah. uh, because obviously every every club has their own um, network, I suppose, and, and way of recruiting and 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 way of obviously building from from the bottom up. Yep. Um, 
so that's the, it's, it's certainly interesting, but there's some very... I think there's quite a lot of strong teams um, out there around the divisions now, and and a lot of those players have also sifted back down into the uh, into the Division 1 competition. And I think you're finding... Um, as, as we've sort of seen with, with with Sterling being promoted this season, mm-hmm. obviously, obviously, when you can bring in a caliber of player like Michael Domfey and and Calvin Whitney into the club as well, that obviously helps uh, with that transition. But we've certainly seen um, a, a lot of stronger teams sort of build um, in, into state league division one as well, and 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 you've got a, a bit of a um, a cluster of teams such as such as the Knights and um, such as. Um, Olympics, way, who, who are, yep, yep. yeah, who are, who are really sort of wanting to push and try and get up into that top tier. So I think I think Saturdays wise, um, the, the the competitions are in relatively good shape, and um, that there's um, there's certainly been obviously Perth have dominated the competition in um, in recent years, but um, the, the, in in terms of the NPL and the top four cup, but you've had the likes of Stirl, uh, Florey, my apologies, yep. um, ECU. When, uh, before they became Perth Red Star, yes. obviously won a title in 2020 as well. So, and Inglewood have been yeah, that's right. Um, very, very consistent over a number of years. Bayswater as well. So, I think there's, I think there's um, a lot of quality in those at the top of those um, um, at the top of that at the top of the sort of MPL. But obviously, it's quite, it's fairly cyclical as well because um, as we saw, Perth had that era. They're obviously sort of rebuilding a little mm-hmm. bit now. A change, a change of coach, a change of playing squad. A We've seen that a little. Yeah. It's a- Complete yeah. change of direction, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah we've we, we've seen it. We've seen it a bit with Bayswater as well. They were obviously so dominant under Chris Coyne in that mid sort of 2010s period, and, yeah. and they've sort of um, and they've sort of since Coyne's left, Gareth Navin's come in. He's in his second year now, and mm-hmm. it's a a bit of a different looking spot as well. So I think it's just the, the fairly cyclical nature of the, the competition. Yep. yep. So. Uh, with the fixtures last week, which, which took your your fancy there? Was it the uh, the three four uh, Red Star Macedonia game, or or, or maybe the um, as you were saying with the, the the youngsters at Perth Glory getting that one one draw against Armadale? I think there was two standout results, and they were both towards the top of the table. Hugh, um, yep. I have to I have to declare an interest and in say that I was commentating in the uh, <laughs> Sterling East Red Star game, and that and that game was a staggering game yep. of football. Um, Perth Red Star obviously raced into the uh, into a three 0 lead, Daryl Nickel hat trick, and then uh, Hugo Snowden scored early in the second half, and, and Sterling changed something tactically a little bit at half time. I think they tried to push the the full backs on a, a little further and maybe keep them a little bit wider, and, oh. and it seemed to and it seemed to work. Um, that was just an observation I made. I could be completely wrong, but um, yeah, they, um, they they came back into the game, and, and you could just sense that there was something in the air when they got back to three two through Alex Panevsky. Um, that, that a comeback was on, and mm-hmm. and then as it, as it turned out, Gavin Gillies came off the bench. He got his head to a, a cross <laughs> in the area, looped it over the goalkeeper, and, and it was four three. And I was um, where my commentary position was. I was that um, in amongst the sort of spilling Macedonia yeah, faithful who yeah, were, were very excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was it was it was an inc- it was a really good game of football, a really good atmosphere as well. Obviously, not the result that. Red Star would have won, no. but great for the neutral. Um, and I suppose the other game, just to touch on it quickly, was was Coburn defeating Florette three 0 That was that was probably the other standout result of the weekend for me last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Co- Coburn, not uh, obviously not last week, but the weekend before, they scored two goals in injury time in the ninety second and the ninety fourth wow. minute to rescue a sore draw away at Inglewood, and you saw the sort of scenes as they celebrated that late point. <laughs> That clearly gave them plenty of belief, and um, going into the game at home with Florida, who 
think many would have just thought Florida would roll down there and take the points, but mm-hmm. absolutely not. Coburn um, clearly took a lot of confidence from getting that late point, and they, they absolutely deserved to win that game. They were the better team. Um, their intensity was really good, and, um, yeah, they're dealing with um, some injuries to senior players. I had a chat with Mirko Yellowstitch, the coach, earlier in the season, but he's, um, he, he's, he's got a lot of faith in, in the young players at the club, and there's some good leaders there, the likes of Jesse Lazaro and Daniel Robinson still doing their bit as well. So that was an outstanding result for them, and one they'll hope that can kickstart their season. Yeah, I don't know what it is. When I was... Uh... Yeah, back back in the day when I was refereeing, that the Florida always struggled when they went down to Coburn. It was like regardless of where the two teams were on the ladder, that was always a uh, you know a result that you you could either go you know you think it's going to be as we saw last week a three nil to one side or a three nil to the other side. It was just a, such a crazy sort of fixture. And, and let's not forget as well that back in 2020 on the final day of the league season, it's actually Coburn who defeated Florida two one. Um, and they and they stole a late win, and and, and Florida had to win that game to, right. to win the title, basically. Yeah. And instead, it was Coburn who upset them at ENV Leader Stadium. And I was actually at, at ECU Joondalup that day uh, when they won four 0 and uh, you heard the yeah, shouts. basically, Did you? They, they snatched the title on the final day. So that was an incredible comeback. But that sort of echoes what you were saying about Coburn and clearly enjoying their games with Florida. You. Yeah, yep. Mm. Now, um, we saw um, Balcata uh, and the Perth game being postponed. These um, postponements are going to cause a, a big headache as we get uh, further and further into the season. Do you feel that there might be the possibility of double headers at uh, stadiums with um, the, the light set up that's conducive to these night games? Or, or do you think that, say, a, a, a team such as Balcata won't want to give away their home advantage? Well... I think it's a little early to say um, for, for a start. I'm not 100% sure. Obviously, that's something that the, the, the clubs have to discuss mm-hmm. among themselves. But we saw a game during the week. Armadale um, hosted a night game against um, against Malcatter and, and oh. won that one 6-0. So right. um, yes. that was a big result for them. So, look, I think it's just going to be one of those things, Hugh, where um, obviously, given the nature of, of the COVID postponements that are happening, and we've had a couple in the women's competition, yes. which we'll probably yeah. touch on shortly as well, um, this seems like a season to me more than any other where bank, banking the points really early yeah. is going to be crucial because as the cup rounds come in, we're obviously in the cup at the moment this weekend um, and, and as the winter sort of sets in, the pitches get a little bit heavier, the, 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 the colder weather comes around, yeah. the workload's going to be quite high, I think, on these players. So yeah. I think there's a real scope for, for, for teams who are doing quite well at the top at the moment, getting those points on and and full credit to teams as well who who possibly have played games without um, a couple of their better mm, players and yep. who have sort of just marched on through it. So it's obviously fairly um, admirable as we still try to get through a season in these um, in, in these COVID times. That's that's true enough. We're speaking with Tommy Dolman, the uh, the legend that is Tommy Dolman. Tom, you've mentioned the, uh, the cup rounds. Do you want to touch on that before we get into Penny's favourite subject, which is the women's game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was um, so there's it's a, obviously it's the, the first round where the MPL team come into the Australia Cup this weekend. Um, it's actually dished out a pretty good draw this year. I've, um, I wrote a preview um, yesterday, um, which went up on the Football West socials. If you want to have a quick read, sorry to plug my own writing. I'm, but, uh, I'm going to do it right now, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, that's uh, but yeah, that's uh, I, I spoke to three or four coaches from uh, state league teams. And, uh, and amateur teams who are um, who are sort of looking to cause upsets this week. There's actually six uh, lower ranked teams hosting 
NPL opposition this weekend, which is really what you love to see. You love to see the, um, the sort of suburban grounds and, and some of the teams who are maybe lower ranked in the WA football uh, sort of state pyramid. Getting getting a big game against an NPL opponent, and hopefully getting a good crowd in, hopefully some money behind the bar and and food and all that sort of thing like that. And it's just it's sort of what makes the it's sort of what what makes um, these clubs sort of tick over. It gives them that opportunity to sort of keep going. But um, plug those fixtures. Plug that. So Balga Balladura, I mean that's going to be an absolute cracker. They, they hate each other. I know that for a fact. They absolutely <laughs> hate each other. Yeah, that's um, that's an interesting game actually because um, it's obviously a state league division one team, uh, division two team. My yep. apologies against an amateur side, so that that's a really good. It'll be a real opportunity for either one of those teams to get to the next round, um, and I think both of those sides will, will very much fancy their chances. Oh, yeah. I believe Balladura put Maddington out in the um, in the last round, who have been pretty consistent that's at right, top yeah. of the amateur premier division in recent years. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting tie. Um, the, the tie that sort of sticks out that I'm that I'm interested. In, there's two actually. Perth AFC um, from Amateur Division Three um, are playing at home to Coburn. Yep. Uh, that one's tomorrow, I believe. But there's obviously um, a couple of. Um, but, but yeah, they're, they're, uh, Perth AFC are led by uh, Nathan Thorpe, who's the former Olympic Kingsway player. He's um, in his first season of coaching, and they started Division Three pretty well and, and are full of confidence and. Uh, the other interesting tie will be will be Emerald FC versus yes, um, yeah. Balcada. That That's probably the one that sticks out most for me. Uh, Emerald are a team which were only formed in 2013. They're based out of Vic Park, but they've basically flown up the divisions. So they started in Division 5 in 2013, and uh, they got promoted to the Premier Division uh, at the end of last season. So they've started in the Premier Comp this year, and they beat Maddington um, in, their, in their first league game. So... Um, and, and we've spoken about Balcata before, obviously coming off that 6-0 loss during the week without a point so far. Mm. And, um, and, and yeah, that could be a real banana skin for them. Um, and I'm sure they'll be looking at that game and thinking, this is an opportunity to get yeah. a win, some confidence. But uh, look, when, you, when you're a team like Emerald, who, who have obviously, uh, I spoke to their coach, and, and they've managed to keep a few of their players um, sort of through the divisions and from last season. And... Um, yeah, they've, they've got a really good sort of team um, culture that he, he was saying and, um, and and there's a lot of confidence and, yeah. and he's confident that they've got some players up front who can do some damage. Where are they yeah. based, Tom? At Vic Park. Vic Park, yeah. But where, whereabouts exactly? Are oh. they where um, Vic Park Victory are? Do they use the same ground there? No. Oh, no. You're Fraser, I, I, I think the game's been played at Fraser Park, Penny, so, but I'm not 100%. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's tomorrow at, at 1 o'clock. Um, now, I'm going to throw you under the bus here, Tom. Southwest Phoenix have had a few games postponed recently in the league. They're up against Mum FC. Do you have any inside information as to whether that game will go ahead? Uh, I don't, actually. Um, well, as it stands, I'm guessing it is. Yep. Uh, the only, Duh, the only no, game... no, that's the bus backing up. Sorry, mate. <laughs> the, the only... Uh, the only game, the only game that's confirmed as a postponement so far that yep. I've seen is, is Forestfield yep. United versus yep. June Love yeah, United, we... um, and that was that was as of yesterday when I last had a look. Correct. So yeah, we got Mark Tommy coming on later on, to, and we'll have a chat to him about that one as well. Yeah. So, what do you think about the the, the, the split round? Oh, well, when I say split, split over the, the whole weekend, it's a good idea. I, I thought so. It gives the opportunity for the punters to see more than one cup game on the weekend. Yeah, it's, um, it's it's something that, that that's, uh, that's good on it, and there's a nice range of times as well. I think yeah. you obviously we, we spoke about the one o'clock and the the one o'clock game tomorrow. I think the Perth AFC and Coburn games are 
a three That's o'clock right. game. There's, yep. there's a five o'clock, I think Ashfield are in a five o'clock kickoff tomorrow, and obviously tonight. It's the um, seven o'clock with Curtin, Uni, and uh, Kingsley Westside, yeah. Yeah, and Sterling Macedonia versus Florida. Oh, that's right. Yes, sorry. Of the the weekend as well, obviously, two sort of heavyweights and two sort of old rivals who who met in the preseason, actually. And um, Sterling actually beat Florida 7 3 in the preseason game, which was um, quite quite a stunning result and a little bit of a statement from them. And it's something which Sterling have clearly carried on um, with during the season so far, having started pretty well under Fergie. So, um, yeah, that'll um, that'll be a really good game. Penn, the women's game? Well, uh, Mum FC is struggling a little bit this year if you're talking about Taylor. Ah. Yeah, so I'm going to be a little bit stum there. Stum. Yeah, um, they're certainly not looking this way they were last year. Um, very much younger. Yep. And uh, I think it's going to be... Well, at the moment they're sitting fourth on the table out of the eight in the um, NPL. W um, with... Perth Red Star, Fremantle and Perth Soccer Club sitting above. Um, Fremantle looking pretty good this year, I've got to say. Mum are in a rebuilding phase. New coach, a um, oh. whole lot of new players. Thoughts on that, Tom? Uh, well, I, I'm going to be actually glass half full on this, Penny, so I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll come in and be super positive and say <laughs> I, I, I think they I think they've actually started the season really well, all things considering. Um, to be unbeaten after three games, I, I know it's sort of... Um, a win and, um, and two draws. But to go to Balcata, who will run us up in the night series final, and, and they've made some smart additions this season. The likes of Monique Prinsloo and Tana Campos have, have gone over there. And to, and to get a 1-0 win through a, um, a poppy hook header was, was a stunning result for them. And um, uh, and obviously they then picked up an, an away point against NTC at the weekend. So, um, sorry, at the weekend just gone, having having also drawn in round one, which was the game that I did um, down... Um, at the Murdoch University campus. So um, they, um, yeah, I, I think they've acquitted themselves really well. Um, but as Penny as Penny rightfully alluded to, there has been a lot of change this season. I think there's only really Poppy Hooks, Charlie Wainwright, uh, maybe Rosie Lahane, and a couple of yep. um, youngsters aside who did get some first team minutes last season, the likes of Clara Harrell and stuff like that. But um, yeah, they, I, I think they've acquitted themselves really well. I think Luke Thompson will be, uh, obviously, coaches will will always want to win games, but I think he can be very proud and very pleased with how the team have acquitted themselves so far. Even though I'm sure there'll be stronger challenges in the weeks to come. Um, unfortunately, they were meant to play um, away at Curtin University yeah, last, last night. night. Yeah, um, so what happened there, Penn? That game got postponed. Yep, um, COVID. Yeah. Oh. That's one of um, that, I know. I was meant to be commentating on that game last night, so I've been um, I've actually been moved to Sunday to Fremantle City versus Perth, which Ooh. is going ahead as far as I'm concerned. Well, as, as far as I'm aware <laughs> at the moment, but you just you just never know. You just never know in this COVID landscape. Um, but and the other game that's um, I should also add as well that the other game that's fallen into a COVID postponement is Balcatta's game with NTC, NTC as well. Yeah. So. There's just the two games this weekend, and those are Fremantle City versus Perth and Perth Red Star versus Subiaco, both of those at uh, 3 o'clock, I believe, on Sunday afternoon That's on NPL TV. Yep. Uh, I will mention that the Mum NPL 21s did play their game against Curtin, mm. and we did win 4-1, and Curtin mm. had a few of their first-team players playing and obviously you know, age crossover and, and so oh, forth. Okay. But yeah, they wanted the game, and they got a game, and... 
Mum FC took it to him. Yes. Yep. Now with the the women's game, we we know that Greg Farrell has recently taken over as head coach at Subiaco. Uh, we had mm. him on the show just recently. How do you see that appointment and uh, the the thought process that he's got there? That he he wants to see the style rather than the results because he believes that if the style is as it should be, the results will right. follow. Yeah. Yeah, well, he was uh, he, he was going, he's actually just a side note on that as well. You, he's actually uh, he, I think he was the Redbacks uh, under twenty threes coach last that's season. Right, that's so right. He, he's, so he's so he's actually returning to well Red Star yep. or Redbacks if you want to, however you want to chop the it Greg up. Farrell Derby <laughs> tomorrow afternoon. Yeah. But look, I um I did their game in round one away at um at Mum FC and I was actually pretty impressed. I thought they created a lot of chances. Um, with a little bit more of a clinical edge in the final third, they could have had a couple of goals, a couple of goals that night, and possibly um, taken the three points away um, from from Mum FC. But um, yeah, I think it's just going to be one of those things, isn't it? A new coach comes into the team, um, like a lot of clubs this season, they've had a um, a, a bit of a, a, sh- a shake up in terms of the playing list, and obviously we know Greg's they um, got a got a good sort of track record in the game, done a lot of work with futsal. Uh, so from a technical level, I, I, I suspect he's going to be a pretty good coach. And, um, yeah, given given a period of time and, and a body of work um, to build on sort of those encouraging signs I saw on that first weekend of the season, I'm sure he'll eventually get Subiaco um, into a position where they, they are able to compete more and, um, and, and maybe win a few more games as the season rolls on. You spot on there with time and a body of work. Good comment, um his philosophy is clear. It's changed since he came on board immediately in their first game where they put the ball on the ground and started to play it around a bit more. They didn't keep 100% possession, of, obviously. Um, that would be, you know, superb progress and growth after one game. But um, you could see the style that he was trying to impress upon his team, which is great. I, I think that's what we want to see. We want to see players trying to keep possession and, and play football and score some goals at the end of that. Yeah, well, that's true enough. Yeah, and we see the table: Red Star undefeated, uh, top of the table, fourteen goals, four, three against. So the defence there is is quite uh, quite Tight. strong. Mm-hmm. And Subi at the moment uh, only the one point, but only from two games. So that that's not so bad. Well, hang on. Speaking of against Murdoch's against is number one. Where is that right? Have we only got one goal scored against us? Yeah, that's because we've um, yeah. not uh, lost any yeah, yeah, games yeah. yet. And, and, and only two goals scored from three <laughs> games, so scoring at less than one goal a game. That's Mitch Sabudio. Thank you very much, Penn, uh, okay. bringing those nasty memories up. But <laughs> defensively. Yeah, yeah well, no, right. okay. Thank you. Thank you very much for dragging me in line. That's why you have the wingman <laughs> or wing person here. We spoke about gender-specific terms in yep. the studio to make sure the host doesn't go too too crazy. Yeah. Can I just add as well? Can I just add as well? Sorry, just quickly. Yeah. Just, you, you touch you touch on that defensive record that Mum FC have had um, as well. In a couple of those games, I've actually played without a goalkeeper, um, young mm-hmm. Samantha Mathers, um, yes. who, who 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 was playing on the right wing at peri- in periods. Of, well, she came off the bench and played sort of higher up the field in a few of the cameos that I saw last season. She's actually played a couple of games in goal and. Um, and, and as you'd expect with a Mum FC team, she, she, they're very good with their feet in terms of playing out from the back and everything. So she didn't look uncomfortable from that nope. um, perspective. But for them to have only conceded two, uh, one goal, sorry, two clean sheets, obviously, in the first two games before that one all draw last week is, is a really good... Um, it's a testament, I suppose, to the, the work that Luke Thompson has done in the early part of the season. Absolutely. I, I agree with you there. Very much so. Uh, before we let you go, could we have a little chat about the changes to the 
the transfer guidelines. Oh, yeah. I, I know you wanted to have a chat about that. Yeah, no, we, I was discussing with Penny off air that um, the, with the transfer window coming in, with Riley McGree uh, moving from Charlotte to Middlesbrough, Adelaide United got 1.1 million. They also got the, the initial transfer fee from Adelaide United to Charlotte. But FIFA did their uh, did a, a survey and found that Australia's transfer um, revenue was less than Cyprus. Mm. Do you see this transfer policy so improving that? Go back a step. We should actually talk to the listeners and like explain to the listeners what's happened this week, you. Go on. Yeah, that's why we've got Tommy uh, on. Uh, okay. Sorry, Tom. Go. Well, you might be throwing him under the bus. So just Again. for our listeners, okay, the removal of the cap and the transfer fees within state-based national premier leagues and for players moving up to the A-League has happened. And the proposed second tier football yes. is going to come in next year. So yep. it doesn't mean that, uh, well... Go on. It does mean that Here we now go. that players from NPL moving into A-League can be asked a decent transfer fee and be remunerated properly. See, that's why I was trying to make it easier for the listeners. But, but Tom will be able to explain it a lot better than we can. Can he? Yeah. Or, or can you? Well, well, I think I think broadly speaking, it's a step in the right direction. Yes, it? It I think is. That, that's, 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 that's what it ultimately comes down to. I'm sure there's going to be more work. Um, to do on the on the domestic transfer system, obviously, which we still obviously a second tier still in the works as well. Um, but it's obviously a step in the right direction, and and that's and, and essentially it's all part of, of building that football ecosystem, isn't it, guys? We we want we want these clubs uh, who have put a lot of time and investment yeah. and, and effort into players um, to, to be to be compensated for their for their work Absolutely. for the hard work that they that they have done. Um, and, and not to sort of lose a player at age at age eighteen for, for, for nothing. Um, so so yeah, I think it's I think it's an important thing, and obviously that sort of money um, sort of just feeds in and around the football ecosystem. It makes the game stronger. It means that um, means that teams can maybe then use those funds to um, upgrade their facilities um, and, and various other things. And you just sort of create that that strength um, and depth both on and off the field in um, in Australian football, which is what we all sort of sort of. Um, we all sort of want to see and what we all want to work towards. So yeah, no, I think that's a that's a positive step, but it's obviously only a, a very early step in the in the whole overall process as the next sort of few few years roll on. I imagine. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So d- just uh, some of the comment from some of the newspaper articles this week: the removal of the transfer fee cap aligns Australian football with global practice, where the international transfer market is usually worth seven to ten billion, and players are transferred regularly during the transfer windows. Mm-hmm. Globally, it's a common practice that a player can be signed by a club for up to five years, and if they are transferred before their contract expires, the new club must pay a compensation to the previous club yep. in line with market rates. This is known as a transfer fee. That's from the Brisbane Times and Dominic Bossy, who did a great article. He did. He did? Yeah. So, yeah, bring it into alignment with other things that are happening. And, Tom, what's your thoughts on a second-tier league being introduced in the short term, not run by the owners of clubs but uh, managed by Football Australia and how that might kind of uh, go, I guess? I think it's something that would be... It's obviously something that I think has to come in uh, at some point. I think we want to see... Um, again, to go back to my point in sort of strength and depth, we want to see the, um, the, the sort of footballing ecosystem grow and we want to have stronger clubs um, who feel like they have the opportunity to compete at a higher level if the opportunity is there. But obviously, um, the, the thing that's going to... I'm interested to see how 
it's um, it, it's going to lay out, though. There's obviously a few different proposals that have been put forward with regards to whether it's going to be a league or whether it's going to be a conference system or whether yeah. it's going to be a Champions league sort of style format or anything like that. That's all obviously all still to be termed, to, to be determined in the future. And, and obviously the other, the other thing as well, which is interesting, is as much as I'm in favour of a second division and the depth of football coming in, mm-hmm. it's also got to be financially viable for these clubs to compete. Because yeah. at the end of the day, these, the players are essentially semi-professional players at the moment and um and, and yeah you've got to but they've got to have i imagine that if they're going to be playing games away from home they're going to have to probably take time out from work and and various other things unless the league does become the second division does become more professional but obviously then um you've, you've just got to have that that resource I, I suppose and 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 the energy put into that competition but well, I've sort of tied myself in knots a little bit here, but I think I think, I think, I think, I think, I think if it's going to come in, it should be done properly, and it shouldn't be done yeah. with a sort of half a half-hearted approach. It's got to be something that's thought about. Is it financially viable? Yeah. Is it going to put clubs at risk? Um, and if it isn't, and if it can create that depth that we're all sort of craving in Australian football, and that and that extra opportunity for young players to get first team football at a higher level, then then absolutely excellent, and, and it's something that we should definitely do. Well, the AAFC, the Australian Association of Football Clubs, I think that's uh, mm-hmm. they, they, they've been pushing this program for a, a couple of years now, but I haven't seen the models hit the associations so that we can have a good old chat about it and say, well, if it's coming in next year, we're talking 12 months, it's not a long time. So the viability really needs to be sorted out and the format needs to be organised and planned and prepared for. I'm a little bit concerned about the shortness. Yeah, that's that's a conversation for another time. We've got to let uh, Tommy go. We've got more guests lined up. Tom, we really do appreciate your time and input to the World Football Program. Every time you're on, we learn more and more things. Good one, Tom. Thank you very much for joining us, and we look forward to speaking with you in the future very, very soon. Thanks, guys. Stay safe and uh, enjoy the rest of your long weekend. You yeah, bet we thanks, will. Tom. You too. Stay safe. See Thank ya. you very much. That was and Tommy Dolman. That was indeed Tommy Dolman, the Football West reporter who, if he doesn't know about it, it hasn't happened yet. Ear to the ground. Ear to the ground. Mm. Yeah. Well, as I say, we've got more guests lined up. With uh, Our next guest will be Elizabeth Ray, who will be talking about the Hall of Fame Football Museum and things related to that. So stick with us. You're with Penn and Hugh on Radio Fremantle's The World Football Programme. Plenty more to come. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. 
Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. And welcome back to Radio Fremantle's The World Football Program. Joining us on the line now is Elizabeth Ray. Good morning, Liz. How are you today? Good morning, Gizzy. I'm very well, thank you. A beautiful summer's day. Isn't it? uh, As we wait for our lovely Anzac Day parade, so we respect all our men and women that have fought for Australia and kept us safe. And the Kiwis, of course. Yes, will you be going to one of the services or the uh, driveway service yourself? I will be out of respect during the driveway service with the rest of my street, mm-hmm. which we look forward to, and then I'll be at the 7 o'clock march in town and then the 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the WRSL. Wow, that's a busy day. Liz, I've got a question for you. Some of the um, legacy organisations around are a bit concerned with the reducing numbers yeah. of, uh, well, d- generations, I think, is what they're trying to say, that less, as the older veterans are passing on, there's less people to celebrate or support the Anzac. Do you see that? What's your observations on the ground? Uh, yes, I definitely see that. What the misunderstood um, thing is that people don't realise you can actually join the RSL even if you haven't been to war. Oh, okay. You can join the RSL um, as a relative, of someone that has served in any of the forces. Um, and even if they didn't leave Australia, you can actually still join and support. And uh, I've, I've got friends of mine that um, are retired and they help out with legacy every year and help all their little um, uh, beach houses and they help repair things and fix things. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's our history and people should never forget the fact that people fought for Australia. They fought around the world yep. um, to keep people safe. And uh, uh, people somehow get so wrapped up in today's world that they forget that we've got so many pioneers out there. What happened with Gallipoli? Yes. And not enough is taught at school. Yep. 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 Agreed. Yep. Uh, I mean, yeah, for, uh, Battle of Long Tan, Lone Pine. These are significant events in, in Australia's history. But that's a discussion for another time, Liz. We have got you on uh, with your role as the president for the Hall of Fame. Can you tell us what's happening in that space, please? Well, before I tell you about that one, did you know that in Gallipoli, when, yep. they were, when the boys didn't actually get much of a rest, but they actually played um, both uh, AFL and soccer um, <laughs> while they were having a rest. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. In the, in the trenches yep, with the yep. wall. And I think from a mental health point of view, people don't realise that the how much playing sport is. That's and right. when you look at the museum, the idea behind the museum was to for people not to forget about how they played. I mean, uh, the women's game, allowing women to sp- play sport and they had to wear so many clothes to play sport. Mm. It was just amazing. Yeah. But the history of that is is something people, in my opinion, need to need to relish yeah. because yeah. if people didn't yeah. stick their head out and, and say, I want to play or I want to continue to play, um, we wouldn't be where we are today. Exactly and right. Same with having mm. a museum. If I didn't push forward for it and certain other people didn't push forward for it, then we may not have a museum. We might be still going on and on, waiting for 
to agree. Yeah, it's a good point. And all of those things that you mentioned about the pioneers and the history, a museum brings that all together. It's a a great point. It's something that, you know, hopefully it'll get filled with all of those things that you talk about and maybe things that aren't in existence now will come forward and, and fill that space, Liz. Got that issue going forward, and if you've watched the movie Demolition Man, you will know <laughs> how much the world is changing. Yeah, uh, mm. and it's not only just the fact that in the future we won't have toilet paper or animals, <laughs> <laughs> but the fact is that as we go forward, and we're seeing it with some schools now, they are banning contact sport because yeah. of the fear of injury. Um, they're they're worried about that. We've Never got more people one. saying they yeah. don't want to eat meat. We've got all these issues going on. So in the future, and, you know, you only have to look at the Jetsons, I mean, you know, um, and Star Wars. You know, you don't often see footy. So I think that you, this may be something that the kids in the future will go, did they really play in a brown, in, with a ball? Did they really well, go out in the rain and play? Harry and Potter had Quidditch, that, that you know, mm-hmm. the, the snitch is a ball. So, you know, maybe we can get the kids into the Harry Potter realm that sport is, is still available. And that's where I think the history of it coming mm. forward is so important. I mean, archery and yeah. you look at there's a there's a museum about horses that went to war. That's and right. the and Henry the Eighth you wore a metal suit and his horse had metal on him as well to stop the swords going through. But the weight of that which yeah. of my head was insurmountable. Yeah. But you wouldn't see it today. And it's that sort yep. of culture that people need to respect you know, how tough they were in those days and how much that is, that is something that's continued. And going into the future, uh, it's like someone said to me the other day, um, their, their child has been the top um, sports person in the school for the last, for every year of high school, and yet he hasn't got one trophy because they don't give trophies out anymore. No, every player wins a prize, Liz. That's right. You get a ribbon or a medal. So for, so for going forward into a museum... For some people to see an actual trophy and, and you know, it'll be awesome. And, mm. and to me, I think just seeing somebody's face, look at a, a trophy that they've never seen, look at, say, a grandfather or a grandmother, you know, represented Western Australia, represented Australia, you know, that to me will give them a sense of belong- belonging, the connectivity, mm. and more than anything, we've, we've got all these issues with mental health, it will actually make them feel that they belong. Tell us some of the ideology behind the um, location for the Football Hall of Fame and let the listeners know where it is. Yeah, well, that's it. Because we know. Well, <laughs> well the, the museum, because of, um, unfortunately, being in COVID, it's been very difficult to find a location. Of course. And um, we did talk to the WACA, who, like the MCG, have got a number of um, different sporting organisations within their museum and we've got to remember that um, we played a lot of games at the Wacker That's and right. uh, one of our first night series were there. But yep. uh, they're going through a big redevelopment. The State Football Centre is going through a stage development so we wouldn't be able to get in there. So a lot of places at the moment have were very interested in having us but said they wouldn't be able to cope with us for another five, five, six years. So with the World Cup coming in to hopefully sell Western Australia and show people that we're no longer in a prison, that we are now <laughs> out there and people can come in. Yep. It's actually a really good time to show that Western Australia is open for business. 
Western Australia has got a very, very rich soccer football heritage. And by doing the museum now, it will capture it right when the Women's World Cup is being announced and promoted. And, I mean, it's so much activity. It's fantastic. Yep. And they've got more people watching the Matildas than they've watched any sport for years. Um, and so when it was announced by FIFA, and we've got to remember that it's not up to local or state government nope. or Australian government to choose the venues. It's all up to FIFA. They've chosen um, Dorian Gardens in um, uh, North Perth. They've mm-hmm. chosen that as the site for, um, at this moment, training venues. That's right. But if something happens, uh, it, training venues got to be as good as a, um, a game. So you never know. And we live in a flexible world, but they've actually said, FIFA, uh, FIFA have said that Dorian Gardens is a great facility and therefore they've accepted that. So we thought... We need to have a museum that's close to the Perth um, CBD, um, close to able for people to walk for tourists, yep. accessible by public transport. And the Italian club is adjoining Dorian Gardens. And we thought, well, if we did a partnership with the Italian club, people could come and have a drink, come and something to eat. Yep. They can go and watch the game. They can walk back into town. They can catch a bus back into town. And the connectivity is there. So it made a very good partnership and we've done an agreement for three years with another option mm-hmm. because we really don't know what the world is going to be like. <laughs> to do. So we can't really project that. So, But they, were, they thought it was fantastic too because, you know, everyone will tell you, you know, the Italians are very mad at absolutely love soccer. Most multicultural people across Europe absolutely love it. So, That's right. Um, You've got a, a lot of people that'll that'll come in and say, "Hey!" And more so, we've got people that have already said, "Once you get that museum up and running, once I can see that it's there, I will donate things to my grandfather. I will donate yeah. things." And that way, because we've got it on display, because we're going to assure people with donor forms, so we have it recorded, everything recorded. When we have it on display, their names will be there. So it's. It's also a, a way in which to, to get the, um, the football community out there thinking, gee, what have I got in the back shed? That it's yeah, that's right. And, and, and then you can see it. And then people see it. More people will come. Because remember, when you build it, they will come. That's right. Yeah. That's one of my favourite lines, Liz. You've got that one right. Yep, you build it, they'll come. There's no two ways about it. Liz, right. it, with your role as... Um or in, in the in the uh, local government, have you seen actual shovels put into dirt to upgrade the, f- the facilities? There's been a lot of money put into clubs in the last 12 months. Has anyone else talked about not just the upgrade of the change rooms but doing something in their club rooms that is going to facilitate an area where they're going to display their own um, memorabilia and trophies? Uh, yeah, a lot of clubs actually have at the moment. Um uh, Sterling um, Lions have uh, rejigged their main hall for their trophies, etc. Um, Inglewood, as part of their Inglewood United, as part of their 70th anniversary celebrations, actually built cabinets and everything around the room, and they, they look pretty good. And once they've finished adding to them and putting names on it, that's going to be quite awesome. Everybody knows the Azuri one. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic how they've done this and and that's similar to what the um, Football Hall of Fame will do. There'll be glass cabinet all locked 
um, and so that people will see that. So uh, going, I, I think, too, because there's also been a big upsurge from local governments to um, uh, build museums as part of their libraries, and if you want to go up to Wanneroo City of Wanneroo, City of Belmont's just finished a really good one. Um, and they, if they actually, um, it's actually really nice um, what they're doing. So once you, when people can't travel, people can only walk around. It, it, we're looking after our own, but we're also celebrating our own. Yeah. Whether it's a museum of sport, a museum of artefacts, gold museum, whatever. It's actually really, really um, coming more to the forefront. So yes, a lot of these smaller clubs are... A lot of these smaller clubs, uh, well, they're not that small, some of them, are actually using, using their facilities they've got. Instead of just having blank walls, they're actually doing it to show their memorabilia. Because everybody knows people are getting older. There's a lot of stuff in people's backyards and they don't want to throw it away. And unfortunately, our really great Western Australian Museum, which has had a big, huge revamp, can't take everything. So, no. you know, it's... It's up to the smaller places, and I actually think that's great. I want to do a, yeah. a museum walking tour eventually. Yeah. Liz, can, can I uh, ask, do you see that there might be a, um, a situation where some of these great pieces of memorabilia might be lost? We saw recently in England where the Berry Football Club um, dissolved. They had some of the FA Cups, original mm. FA Cups that they'd won, just disappear. Um, luckily enough, uh, the the Phoenix Club that that formed after that uh, that horrible financial situation, they were able to um, access and find those FA Cups. So that memorabilia did actually come back to to the fans and and, and to be available for be displayed for for the rest of history. Do you see some of these um, unique memorabilia items being maybe lost, or would you like to see them all? Um, collected for for a, a a major museum such as the the Hall of Fame Museum. Well, I mean, the the Football Hall of Fame will not be discriminating against. No, anybody. of course not. So, whereas, unfortunately, when you well, not fortunately, when you go to a club, it's what's associated with that club. Yes. So we can go across all the races, all the all the years to have one place. You know, we've been going for over 150 years. Yes, we have. You know, it wasn't until 1995 that Madrid actually built the first ever soccer museum. Now, that's got over 3,000 artefacts. It's huge. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, this is where people are only, only recently realising how fantastic museums are. So, to me, yes, I think once you once you, we've shown that we have got it, it's not going to disappear. We're going to make sure it's not hidden in a cupboard mm. or who's going to borrow it or whatever, you know, and not come back. I think we will. Good. One of the classic cups we're looking for is the Burt, B-U-R-T, Burt Family Burt Cup. cup yeah. After our patron, Julian, whose family has such a rich history, not only in Western Australia, but also as the founders of soccer, that um, they had a cup many years ago and, and we... Somehow, it's a classic because that sort of disappeared. But I think by advertising it, once we've got the museum going, we can also say to people, if you've got something in your backyard or whatever and you don't want to say you come from, just drop it over to the Italian club. No names will be said. 
no finger marks will be done, no police, just <laughs> drop it in there. Can you well, describe yeah. the Burt family cup, just in case someone goes into their shed and goes, hey, Dad, that looks like the Burt family cup. But <laughs> how, how big and, and whatever, do you have an idea? It's um, quite a big, um, well, it's quite a big cup and it actually has Burt on it, so therefore that would give it away. Yeah, a little um, bit. Yeah, so I think people can find it. But look, if you find it a swap meet, if people are leaving a house, whether it's a garage sale, whether it's... Um, uh, bring out your dead bitch, <laughs> anything. If you see any soccer memorabilia at all, please don't hesitate to let us know or drop it down the WA Italian Club. No questions will be asked of where it came from and everyone gets to enjoy it, which is the whole reason we have a museum is that everyone can enjoy the rich history of the game. That's true. With, with that in mind, can, can you tell us... Um, who competed for the Burt Cup or, or, or any more information about the Burt Cup because it, it's one that um, I've missed in my thought processes. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was, uh, I think the last winner was um, East Fremantle from memory. Uh, uh, not off the top of my head. Okay. Um, I have a lot of things in my head. Well, Okay, sorry, to, again, I've, I've been driving that bus backwards all day. I'm sorry, Liz. So it was basically a, a knockout cup um, available for, for most clubs to enter? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah, so uh, if you want to find out more about the Football Hall of Fame, yep. footballhalloffamewa.com.au, get in touch via there if you have any mm-hmm. questions, e- email admin at footballhalloffamewa.com.au and get in contact with um, the committee or Liz or anyone and, and uh, yeah, share. You're going to mention the committee members there, Penny? Oh, we, have a, we have actually on our website, we actually have a, um, a, a little screen, which you can't access right now, uh, uh, regarding the Burt Cup. Oh, Okay. Yeah, no, I was just asking because when I, uh, I lived in Kalgoorlie, there were, oh, Kalgoorlie Boulder, sorry to those uh, listening up there, uh, Burt Street is a fairly major street in Boulder. Yeah, no, that's Burt. This is Burt. Yeah, B-U-R-T, Burt Street. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right, Burt Street. Yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. That's right, yeah. See, you and I both know it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, well, I was... I was recently... I went to the Western Australian Historical Society annual... Um, conference in mm-hmm. Kalgoorlie last year, and that was held in Kalgoorlie and Boulder. And I went to, we did a tour of the four museums, and it is just unreal. I mean, my grandfather was in Kalgoorlie from 1897 to 1902. During the big, and, during the gold rush, yeah. yeah. And so he was there and found some gold, and then came to Fremantle and started the first restore. So in 1904. So, you know, he, um, looking at the history there, I mean, they have amazing, uh, just amazing stuff in their museum. And and to think that, like you, you know, you know a relative, most people that had, I mean, Western Australia is based on migrants, whether you came here five minutes ago or 50,000 years ago, we're all migrants. (laughs) Um, So someone usually knows somebody that works in Kalgoorlie, but it was amazing to be up there and they have got such fantastic people in the museum. They are also dedicated, a great dedicated team that, um, you know, are looking in all sorts of places and everything for memorabilia. I mean, they they are really great credit in Kalgoorlie 
for um, the historical yep. um, referencing of Western Australia. Yep, that, yes. that military museum on Birch Street, well, in Birch Street, yes. on Birch Street, that, yeah, yes. that's brilliant. I mean, there's um, there's some Victoria Cross, like actual real, the, yes. the, the actual yes. Victoria Cross on display. It, it, mm. oh, it, it spun me out every time I, I go up there. And, and, and it's... Well, it's a gold coin donation, but you know, basically, you, you can say it's it's free to get in because they just want you to see this history. And they've got a tapestry collection, which That's right. a lot of people would not realise. No, the unfortunate thing is in Coolgardie, mm-hmm. and Coolgardie is rich as well. Um, a couple of little people, um, children, burnt down yeah. part of the museum, which is really so disappointing that a, a people would think to do that. But it's just so sad because. You cannot sit there and insure a lot of these. No, that's right. Because they're one off and it'd just be not cost effective. Well, yeah, that's but, it. I mean, Bo- Boulder City Soccer Club celebrated 120 years yeah. in 2020. That's Just right. 2020? Yeah, yeah. You know, no, they, they gave me an invite. I couldn't get there, which that, was you know, yeah. I had, had a, an amazing trophy I, collection. I still got my Boulder City tracksuit because you know, as I t- tend to do, and Penny will know, I've got a yeah, yeah a, a, a shirt for almost every occasion. Yeah, but Boulder City, yeah. So golden black. I, 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 yeah. too. But that's exactly right because. You know, it's 120 years that they had it, but most of the people that came to the goldfields were European. That's and right. And, of course, you know, they made balls out of, um, to start with, they were making balls out of the of the tin, and they yeah. put the leather around That's it. That's right. They really killed their feet. Yeah. 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 yeah, and of course, it was one of the clubs that, when I was up there refereeing, was called Cosmos, and they were just um, made up of... Um, Migrants, basically South American, but uh, yeah, geez, they, they, that was a fiery game. Boulder City versus Cosmos. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but they were tough in those days 50 degree heat, down the mines, and then come up and play footy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's still tough up there, but the yeah, they, again, but that's uh, yeah, that is that is brilliant. But it's our history, Susie. It, it is. It's yeah. the history of Western Australia. Whether you, as I said, whether you came here five minutes or fifty thousand years ago. We should be more patriotic, more showcasing all the fantastic things that our pioneering spirit people did when they came here. Yep. I mean, that, you know, it's people that, don't realise it. That, that's actually a really good point. As we're becoming very diverse, and this is something that Hugh and I have been talking about, how um, the, the, the gender separation is becoming yeah. less and where um, there's males... Um, division, female division, and then we're we're talking about how to integrate yeah, and support var- right. various yeah. other you know transitional parts of our population, and and we still have a history <laughs> that is defined. And even though we're going to move into amazing other spaces in the future and celebrate all different types of our uh, parts of our culture, we need to recognise that. The history is the history, and it needs to be kept yeah. somewhere. And, and it's our history. Someplace. It's not your history. Yep. It's not the club's history. It's our it, history, it, it's which should be available for all of us to be able yeah. to, to to see and and cherish and and acknowledge and and just be amazed by it. Yep, um, Liz, I, I have a question for you. Uh, World, Women's World Cup 2023 and the equaliser program that um, Football Australia has implemented has is in the process of encouraging a 50-50 facilities arrangement for male and female change room. And I know that at the moment it's about 35% of change rooms are female friendly. What's your thought on how that's progressing? Well, um, seven years ago, we 
right, the, uh, a group of us lobbied the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, to do something about these women's facilities because yeah. the, both the local government and the state government were just just ignoring it. <laughs> and um, Scott Morrison has allocated, well, did allocate $20 million to upgrade the women's change rooms, the existing women's change rooms, etc. Now, that's made a hell of a difference. But unfortunately... Um, while that was a really good incentive, it wasn't matched by local and state governments. So it was, it, it might have, we thought it might be the catalyst to change, to mm-hmm. upgrade the facilities. Because if you upgrade the facilities, you make it look like it's friendly, yeah. you make it look clean and, and also safe for a lot yeah. of these girls, um, they will come. But that hasn't actually transpired on the ground. And so we need to still do work in that space. But at least he started the ball rolling, so we've got to give him thanks for that. Do do you... One of the topics we were discussing off air, Pen and myself, do you see the need to ring-fence some of this funding, that it's ring-fenced for that specific upgrade? Because we've seen previously funding and uh, being made available for similar uh, situations and then... Later on, that funding has disappeared and the improvements have not been tangible. You mean uh, review, reviewing definitely, things? Definitely we need to do that because it's... Uh, and I can quote a couple of examples. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> we don't no, want to get in trouble it, here. <laughs> but it is exactly what you said. Yeah. People apply to get an upgrade mm. Women in it, and then when the facilities come out, the women have got nothing. That's right. I mean, yeah. there, are, there are so many classic cases of the of the women asking for um, venues, and local government turns around and goes, "Well, you can be in this oval, yeah, uh, because it really starts at grassroots." And then when they get there, it's you know like one toilet, one yes. shower, yes. all dodgy. Yes. And, and and then they say, "Well, can we upgrade it?" Oh, well, you have to pay for it yourself. Yeah. Yep. You know, and then they say, well, can we have another oval? And then they give you another one, a worse one. <laughs> and in the end, the girls go to another, and this happens sometimes with the boys, but not as often. And then no. the girls go to another local government because they're told, look, if you come over, we'll get funding. And so then they come over to another local government because they got funding. And then they do the upgrade, and it really doesn't give women anything. That's right. And so then you find women have gone through five or six different local governments yeah. in the space of a, you know, like 10 years, they're no better off, no better facilities, and and you still find the local government yep. hasn't got the, and, and state government hasn't realised it either, because yep. under the new rules, which the rules are always changing, <laughs> the state government, uh, um, you know, you've got to give in, you know, it used to be a third, a third, a third, so local government give a third, state government give a third, and the club all had to give a third. Well, you know, with COVID, it's really hard. And I, I was very fortunate to have a meeting with um, Minister Booty when he was in charge of sport. And he agreed that we have to look at this funding arrangement differently for women and, and trying mm. to get local government to look at these facilities as well. Yeah. Liz, this is uh, a conundrum that's uh, been in... Oh, sorry, Penn, you what? Oh, no, I, I was just going to say that... Um, Liz, you're you're a very inspiring person with all of your energy and passion with football, and I'd just like to say congratulations in 
the the big move to get a museum. It's been absolutely massive and it has been coming for a long time and I think it's a really good thing. So the, the whole the whole framework and committee and passion and enthusiasm um, led by you, congratulations on, on the Football Hall of Fame for that. Thanks very much. Well, in the, in the 1960s, when my dad, Julius Reed, started Soccer House in Hammersley Street in Sibiaco, they, when they, and it was just, it was trying to get all the clubs together and not be, you know, they used to meet at Azuri and then they met at Inglewood, trying to show that, you know, they were above it, you know, to make sure that nobody thought there was a conflict of interest because people always come up with some sort of conflict of interest. Yeah, don't they? <laughs> Even if you're just standing in the middle of the street. Um, so, um, they, and they had meeting rooms and it had a lot of memorabilia and we had Manchester United come and I was only a little kid because I can remember getting picked up from school and um, running, we used to hide around all in the cupboards and the amount of <laughs> memorabilia and trophies and I can remember Manchester United because I'm a Manchester United fan. Um, I'd just like to qualify that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I can remember that. us hiding amongst all the Guernseys and that. And then it went to the Velodrome. And then slowly, when my dad didn't get involved, a lot of the stuff disappeared. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of people say, well, we don't want to do that again because, you know, it's going to disappear. But if, by having a museum and calling it a museum and we go under the rules of the museum, we have, you know, somebody as a curator will organise that everything that's in that museum, everything that we have is all recorded so that if somebody says, right, here's his great-grandchild turns up and says, right, I want to know what he did for us, and we can say, well, on the database, we've got his T-shirt and we've only got his left foot like Beckham, that's all, we've got one shoe. And, and that, to me, would be a lot for the history and a lot for his family. Exactly right. Yeah. Liz, we thank you very much. We've got a, uh, a full show. We've got another guest lined up, unfortunately. We'd love to talk to you for the rest of the show, but we can't. Thank you very much for making yourself available. We always love your input here, and we thank you very much, as Penny said, to, to finding a, a home for a lot of this memorabilia for the, for the Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, well, and the we fact. Hope that, we hope to have it uh, officially open in July. We've been waiting we uh, Western Australia is free, yes. and uh, and then uh, and we're having cabinets and everything are made by Western Australians in Western Australia. So we're very much supporting small business in Western Australia to to get this off the ground as well. And um, hopefully, once we have the official opening in when we're officially allowed to yep. in July, um, and then we can have uh, other people coming in. And I, I honestly believe. Uh, uh, that people will, will just see just how fantastic it is. Everybody knows someone, um, and it will just be, it'll be great. Exactly. So thanks very much for your support, and uh, I'd just like to thank um, Vince Natasha and Paul McVitie because um, they uh, have worked really passionately to get this off the ground, and... Uh, a formidable force and they get the three of us together. Yeah, I, I can well imagine. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I can well imagine. Liz, thank you very much for, for joining us. We look forward to chatting with you very, very shortly in the future. Thanks, Liz. And as we all go into this weekend, please all remember the Anzacs exactly. because they played soccer too. They did indeed. They did. See you, Liz. See ya. And remember, if you want to contact the Football Hall of Fame, if you have any information to share or any memorabilia that you'd like to share or add into the Football Hall of Fame, you go to 
the Football Hall of Fame WA.com.au website and the email is right at the top, admin at football hall of fame WA.com.au. Thank you, Penn. We've got uh, Mark Twalmy lined up to join us after a short break. He is the Forestfield United Football Club's president. So plenty more to come on the World Football Program 107.9 FM Radio Fremantle. Stick with us. You're with Penn and Hugh. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport to all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at futsalwa.org.au or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au. Hi, I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. And that was the lovely Miranda. Jeez, we miss her. Why? I do anyway. It takes a bit of pressure off me. She's had a bit of a, a tough time with COVID and then mm. she broke or dislocated her thumb. No. Yeah, and I think she's in recovery now. The scourge of a goalkeeper. That, oh, yeah. well, I won't show you, but yeah, but that's why I can't get my wedding ring off because I dislocated that finger when it, I was playing it's on goals. forever. Yeah, no, well, no, because it, it, it just went, I had to get the biggest size I could find and it won't go back over the knuckle. It's, uh, yeah. You're married my, my, to that for the rest of your life. My wife's really happy. It's our anniversary <laughs> on Monday and she goes, you'll never get that off. No, I won't. Anyway, that's a different story. On the line we have Mark Twalmy from Forestfield United Football Club, the president there. Good morning, Mark. Morning, Huey. Morning, Penny. I'm happy to say my fingers are all in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> um on I only broke a finger once, and that was when I played a bit of cricket. But, uh, no, all, all good. Yeah, hand good sports are a scourge did, on the hands. Did you say you were a goalkeeper as well? No, I say I, I didn't play oh, yeah. goals. <laughs> no. I think, um, I, I think when, I, when I had a bit of run around with the Masters, I filled in there occasionally, but... Um, but no, I uh, I do enjoy being out out on the field. So uh, all my fingers are in one place. Yeah, as, as Vince Matassa would say, it's a a thankless uh, position where one mistake and the whole team's gone. Yeah. You donkey! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a certain kind of lunacy. Some people say to be a goalkeeper. <laughs> anyway, I, Mark, I can never work. Sorry, I 
I can never work out why uh, strikers get the highest paid wages in the game, yet when they make a mistake, it's okay. But uh, the poor goalkeeper at the back, yeah, who's uh, not always the highest paid, but they make a mistake and uh, can cost a team about three points. So. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. You, you're 100% correct there, Mark. I mean, you, people talk about the 82 World Cup finals and they talk about Paolo Rossi and how great he was, but the captain of the side was Dino's off, the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. You know, he was... Well, that's Leader, a, that, that's inspirational role model. That. Yep. <laughs> he, he, he didn't mind breaching the steps rule, did he? What steps rule? They didn't have a steps rule back then, Mark. He, he, he was well within the laws of the game at that particular time. It was he was almost a basketball player in that uh, eighteen yard box. He was uh, yeah, he was a marvel to watch. That's for sure. Yeah. But we've got you on to have a chat about Forestfield United, Mark. The floor is yours. Go for it. Yeah, tell um, us tell us about. I'd like to know. Here we what, go. What's What's the features of Forestfield United that you would brute to the community? Oh, it's a community club. Forestfield United. Mm. Well, there mm. you go. Yeah. Look, our community club yeah. in 1979 down there at Hartfield Park, mm-hmm. which is a really special part of the world. Um, working class club, you know. Yeah. Mums, dads, families um, out there all doing their, their best in the community and, um, and full of kids and full of great family people who uh, come together every weekend to uh, play the beautiful game of football. Yep, no, um, it's, it's great. I mean, every time I went there to referee, it was yeah, a welcoming club. The, the club rooms are just sensational. That, that uh, development of the grandstand is just amazing. You must be so proud of that. Oh, look, it's fantastic. And, and you know, at this time, you know, you have to remember uh, the, the spiritual leader of the club, if you like, Rod Banjack, who... Yes, sir. Uh, his heart and soul into the mm-hmm. club and uh, and through his efforts and the committee at the time um, managed to get that wonderful grandstand built um, and that legacy lives on and uh, you know we're, we're very proud that we get to host a night series um, every year and clubs enjoy coming down and, uh, and having a kick around on the turf at Hartfield and of course we have that uh, great relationship with the Perth Glory MPL sides. Yep who call uh, Crazy Domain Stadium their home. They have done for a couple of seasons, and that's a, a great relationship that we enjoy. And, and how, how um, is that going? Are you, you, you getting that sort of um, that flow-on effect that um, the, the Perth Glory fans are coming more and more to, to Crazy Domain or, or, or not? Yeah, look, the, the fans turn up um, on the NPL games, and, uh, and they, uh, they uh, don't mind a drink in the car, <laughs> and they love their... Uh, they love their fiery burgers and chips. And, uh, <laughs> Peter Wright will love that. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. we, we were talking with Molly earlier on about yeah. the uh, about the food and and Peter Wright. If you go to our um, um, World Football page. Program Facebook page, he's he's he reckons we should be talking to the uh, to the canteen rather than the uh, the presidents because that's where the action happens. Oh, he's probably like a bartender, right? You get all the goss <laughs> and now oh, the chips and, and burgers. <laughs> Absolutely, and a big shout-out to uh, Donna, who runs our bar and canteen for us. Um, she's one of those people that is just the lifeblood of the club. Um, everybody loves Donna. Donna puts in so many hours for the club, and uh, and we love the work that she does. And, of course, she produces one of the best burgers you'll, you'll ever find. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and chips. I reckon, I reckon chips just about pays for most of my food. <laughs> well, so that's the it. amount you, of chips that you, we... Uh, you get that plate, that furry burger and chips, you go, no, no, it was for one person. You know, <laughs> how, how am I going to eat all that? <laughs> I did. <Yeah. laughs> so, uh, with, but, go on. 
No, I was going to say that the facilities there are fantastic. Yes. And uh, we recently had an announcement yes. from our uh, federal Labor mm-hmm. candidate that uh, if Labor win the federal election, they're also going to invest another couple of million into the facilities wow. at, the, uh, at the club. And uh, those opposition teams who come along and... Uh, and operate in the cupboards that we call the way change rooms. They're going to be completely rebuilt. <laughs> yeah. Wow! Now and, that, uh, that's one of the reasons why we we got you on, Mark, is for for that. Well, that, one of the reasons, not not the, the thing. But uh, will that also include the uh, female friendly change rooms as well? So will that change absolutely. room? Absolutely. Yep. So so they're built to standard um, for um, all genders, so all abilities. Um, the, uh, I became an expert in building codes the last uh, 12, 18 months <laughs> when we've, uh, we've looked at the renovations and all the requirements that are made, but, uh, but they'll be fantastic. So uh, hopefully the other side of politics will come through and, and match that commitment um, because it's also part of a broader suite of improvements across all of Hartfield cool. Park of course it is. for uh, other sports, including our friends at uh, Rugby League, Rugby Union, Cricket, so um, Hartfield Park really is that lifeblood of the local community down there in Forestfield and, uh, and looking forward to the next stage of renovations, which will, uh, say, away change rooms, give us a little bit more storage space and a ladies' toilet outside finally, which, is, uh, which will be tremendous. Mm. It's uh, something that we've been uh, advocating for for some time. Uh, to try and, uh, and and get a, a public toilet outside, and we'll finally get one of those. So, uh, so it's it's fantastic. We'll improve those facilities yet again, and really uh, place us as a fantastic hub club in that uh, in that corridor of the metro area. You, you do have a uh, a good placement along there. I know that's one of the things that Rod Banjack yeah. often harped on about um, when he come and chatted on the radio and we go out for coffee afterwards. And he loved <laughs> the the fact that he lived in in that space and that it was the one of the clubs that had the biggest potential in that uh, for growth in that area. And he just loved that about it, and also the quietness away from the busy areas around Perth too. Um, my thoughts on your um, facilities upgrade, you said that there's other sports there. Give us an idea of how many other sports oh, that you huge. integrate with yeah. and what the like the numbers using the facility are. I, th- I think there was some numbers going around. It was about 3,000 people that wow. played sport on a weekend over at Hartfield Park. Wow. So you've got AFL over the back. Yep. Um, and playing their brand of football. You've got rugby league and rugby union. Over to the side. That, that, that's an interesting combination. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit, a bit like the Israelis and the Palestinians <laughs> habitating <laughs> together. Um, but but they, they do a tremendous job. And uh, and you've got cricket, of course, uh, occupying the summer, along with uh, little athletics. Mm. So, uh, you know, again, big shout-out to the city of Kalamunda. They really look after the turf down there because it mm. gets really well used. And, uh, and it comes up season after season. And uh, if you go down there on a Sunday morning in particular when all the kids are out and about, it's just absolutely fantastic to see all that green space just just full of kids all having a kick. Must sell a um, few furry burgers with 3,000 people there every weekend. <laughs> uh, yeah, I must admit, they've all got their own little canteens and they all provide service to their own, uh, to their own, own players. And, uh, but we take up a huge chunk of that grass with ours. And um, and it's and it's wonderful. I mean, if I put my policeman's hat on for a while, I always say that a, a community health is driven by the investment in its 
in its recreation and sporting facilities. And uh, there's certainly a lot of investment down there at Forestfield. And every kid that you can get into sport and keep them into sport, and the older kids like you and I, Huey, and, yep. and Penny, if we can stay in sport and stay with that connection to community, it's less likely that the kids are going to fall into into crime or illicit substances yep. or mental health issues. So, um, you know, I, I'll keep saying it forever that uh, that we've got to keep advocating to our local politicians and our local government to keep investing in sport and recreation. That's here, here, well said. Now, with the uh, the form on the uh, on the park with uh, Graham in charge, he, he runs a tight ship. That that man, he's a friend of the show. How's that going? You're talking about Mr. Normanton. Oh yeah. It, no, yeah, unfortunately, we let him no. go. You let him go. That's right. Yeah. Talking <laughs> about a bus, you just backed it on yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I've been driving the bus all day. <laughs> Scratch Good that. You, yeah, no. Uh, sorry about that, mate. <laughs> no, I, I knew that. I, just that, the, the brain fart right. again. Look, look we, we had three great years with Graham. Yeah. Um, you're right, he did run a tight ship and he had a uh, great set of players. All the players loved playing for him and it was exactly what the club needed um, when Rod left us and then, of course, Rod tragically passed. Mm. So to have someone with that sort of experience in the game and that ability to pull a team together and uh, and get it out on the park. I was a, a very new president when uh, when we brought Graham in, and I was still learning my craft, I guess, to a certain degree. So uh, he did a tremendous job with his team. Um, and then after three years, it, it was then time to try and make a change. So uh, we we went and brought in Richie Abrams and Mel Schumer. Um, because we wanted to move the focus very much to a youth-based focus. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we aren't one of the richest clubs around, as I said. You know, we're, we're a mum and dad club. Our sponsors are, are fantastic, and we've got a couple of fantastic sponsors in, in crazy domains. Um, but generally, we're mum and dad sponsors who are uh, plumbers and painters yeah. and mm-hmm. electricians and all that sort of stuff, and they put their hard-earned coin into the club, but it certainly doesn't make us rich. So we have to focus on youth. Um, one of Rod's legacies, of course, was establishing the youth program at Forry. Uh, we managed to get into the NPL Juniors uh, the year that we, we played senior NPL. And uh, that legacy lives on very, very strong in the junior department. And, of course, those juniors come through and they need somewhere to play when they mature and get into those uh, higher levels of football. So, uh, so we... When we sat down with Richie and Malcolm, um, we wanted a clear pathway that our state league program would be very much youth orientated and allow the young kids of Forry to come through and pull on that first team shirt at, at some stage. Yeah, and uh, you can see with the squad yeah. that we've, we've got this year, very, very young, has a, a good smattering of, of ever-present Forry players. Uh, uh, Richie and Mel are brought in um, some young players that they've worked with over the last few years, and they've also given opportunities for some of our really young foreign youth to come through and shine. And, uh, and I couldn't be any happier with the squad they've pulled together. Um, it's challenging on the pitch playing three o'clock football. Yes, it is. Um, some, some very senior sides, but so far been really um, pleased with the results. We're not setting our sights too high. We're introducing these kids to first-team football on a Saturday and every game they're just maturing and getting used to 
some of the dark arts that might be <laughs> by more senior <laughs> senior players, and uh, and they're learning and they're and they're really soaking up um, what they what they need to do, listening to the coaches, and uh, and the the fiery faithful are starting to come back down and looking at these kids and going, hey, this is something worth having a having a look at. So uh, so couldn't be pleased with with what we've put together for this season. That's great. So with the um and Penn and most of the, the, the team here at uh, the World Football Program always say if you build the base of the pyramid, it's going to be the strength that will allow the, 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 top, to the top to be yeah. a standout. How many junior sides do you have at Forest Field, Mark? Uh, Off the top of your head. I mean, we, we don't need a, an exact number. But, uh, you, yeah, you've got most age uh, groups, uh, look, boys we, and we've girls? Got all, we've got all our age group groups covered. And generally, we have two, sometimes three teams wow. in each age group. And then, particularly when you get up into those older um, kids, the MPL youth, you've got the MPL side, and then a development side that sits behind them. And and certainly uh, this year with with COVID and the last couple, um, obviously there's a lot of transfer of players between teams as we try and uh, try and get matches played on the park. Of course. So uh, it gives some wonderful opportunities for uh, everybody to uh, have a crack at a, at a higher standard of football and uh, and hopefully those results will pay off into the future. Well, they always do. We've, we find out that, um, yeah, as you say, it's, it's just allowing that to, the Forry faithful to, to you know, if you give them the information of, of where the club's going and how... The club is getting there; they'll stick through and through. It's um, yeah, sharing the communicating. You know, you, you're right. We, we've got some great Forry families down there, and, and two, three generations of players that have been with the club. And of course, to see one of uh, one of those young kids that that you might have seen as an under eight or an under ten or something come through and get a crack in the state league side is is fantastic and to to see their whole family come down sit in the grandstand and uh, and clap on their son as uh, as they uh, have a run round in the in the state league setup is uh, makes it all worthwhile and uh, and that's what we try and do at Forry, give everyone a pathway into those uh, those top teams I like the way that your conversation is is all around the sense of community that I'm clearly getting from what you're saying, uh, working with the other sports that are at the facility, uh, money is going to go into the facility to upgrade all of the um, residents of that facility that, you know, through summer and winter you could play football, soccer, then you could play another sport because it's there, right there, that you've got a, you know, the change rooms, you, you've you got the the kiosk and canteen it's access way to major roads it's really a nice hub of everything oh, yeah. there to pretty much welcome the a whole family to participate it's great well you, you, you're dead right penny and the thing is it's it's an investment of those mum and dad's money and um you know as president and, and with my committee you got to put it back into the club and back in the development of the players and back into the families uh, why would I spend all their money to buy a first team to chase a you know a, a tin cup worth a couple couple <laughs> thousand? Um, we, we don't. We're not that sort of club. We don't have those resources available to us. Um, I like to think that we do punch above our weight in, in holding a, a position within State League Div One. The expense of running a 
first team in those leagues gets uh, higher every year yeah, yeah. and we have to try and adapt. Um, I do a lot of work with the State League Standing Committee with, with fellow presidents and others in, in trying to push governance of our sport mm-hmm. um, with, the, with the governing body and just try and keep a lid on these things and, and make a fair playing field for everybody. Yeah, yeah well, that's what so, we had. Uh, w- one of our hosts, Sean Kelly, was saying that, that uh, that State League Division 1 is, is basically an arms race. If you, you, know, you just <laughs> splash the cash to buy what you say, it, it's, it's not worth the effort. You, it, that's not building the pyramid for a sustainable club. Mm. Yes, it may get and, you immediate success, but... If you've yeah. if you've built it on on false promises, you know you, yeah. you're in for well, a bit of a pain. Yeah. You know the the money's not an investment, is it? It's a not race really. to the top. And uh, and whilst I don't deny any player the opportunity to make some coin oh, exactly. out of playing the game that we love, I'm not going to take it out of my mum and dad's pockets and put it straight into theirs. Exactly right. Um, and uh, and it's and it's about that investment in community. It's about investment in the game. Yeah. And and I don't mind clubs who do have a lot of cash and a lot of investment going out and 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 rewarding the best players in the state to play at the highest levels. But I also think there's a responsibility on them to invest back into the game, um, to build their junior structures, to build their facilities, yeah. um, and to um, be a real uh, benefit to the broader community rather than just that club as a single mm. entity. That, that's a great comment to finish this discussion it, on. It, it is. Yeah. Wonderful. And can I just say a shout-out to Angela Urbani, formerly maiden name, Falchetta. I played football with her at Queen's Park many years ago when they had a powerhouse <laughs> of women's football. So hi, Ange. I know she's got a couple of kids there and they're contributing to the community feel that you've got there. <laughs> Fantastic. No, um, it's uh, it's great, and uh, and both of you should come down um, and enjoy a fiery burger and a, a big bucket <laughs> of chips with us. Yes, and uh, enjoy some of that fiery hospitality, and uh, I'm sure you'll have a good time. Yep. You bet we will. Thank you very much for joining us on the World Football Program, Mark. We look forward to chatting with you very soon in the future, and go fiery. Good on you, Mark. Jerry, Penny, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Good Thank on you. Very much. Have a great weekend. See ya. Ta-da, mate. Bye now. That was Mark Tommy, the president of Forestfield United. Yep. We are almost out of time, Pen. Anything uh, you want to finish with? Nope, just uh, remembering Anzacs for the weekend. Absolutely important, even if you don't uh, go above and beyond and attend something, that yep. they're in your thoughts. Yep. There is football being played yep, across the entire The driveway service weekend. is always a good one. Yep. Before we pass on to Len and Bags Groove, we'd just like to thank our partners, Futsal WA, the biggest and best futsal competition in Perth, Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron for all your custom-built ornamental and security fencing, front and side gates and electronic gate setup. Stop giggling at me, Penny. That's not funny. Gate and Fence Hardware WA for all... This is what she's laughing at. All related to hardware and automation packages. Automation. 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 Honestly, you're Australian, you. Come on. Sorry. English is my first language, (laughs) and I apologise to all the uh, bilingual speakers out there because English is such a dodgy language. Let's move on. Thank you very much for having us. We'll be back next week uh, at the same time. It will be a different host in the chair. Hey, stop giggling out there. Good job, Hugh. You did well. We got two hours of football packed in. That's in. And four phone calls that went to air. That's brilliant. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Thank you very much. Enjoy your day. Get out there and see a game or three. 
Thank you very much for having us. You're with the World Football Program, 107.9 Radio Fremantle. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM.